Eternally, Father, we just thank you for this morning to worship you, God. Lord, we just come with hearts of worship, Lord. Lord, I thank you for all the great things you're going to do today, God. Lord, the great things we're believing in. Lord, I thank you for being the good God that you are. Lord, that you walk through our struggles with us. Lord, we have that assurance in you. Lord, that you are steadfast and never changing. Lord, through all the craziness, you are there. Lord, I thank you for this service. I thank you for everyone that's here. Um, just all the ministries going on, all the missionaries, our pastors, our leadership, and leadership and pastors at other churches, God. Just be with them as they preach today, as they speak your word, God. Lord, because we're all different churches, but we are united, God. Lord, I thank you for your body that was broken for us and the blood that was spilled. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. My name happens to be Thomas Reckwat, and I work in Mali, West Africa, doing a Bible translation. For me, I'm the exegete. And so I'm looking at the uh, language, like in the Greek or the Hebrew, and seeing what it means in that language, and then trying to explain that to Mamadou, showing him the words, that this word means this. Okay, what, what word in your language means this? Oh, you don't have that. Well, how can we get about go around saying that same thing without a 25-word phrase. Because you want a text that is faithful to the original. You want it clear in the target language, in this case, Shempire, and you want it so it sounds good to the, when people read it out loud, so it sounds good to the ear. Mamadou is, is the kind of guy that has such a great heart for God that his, his love for God uh, spills into his love for the Word of God. His desire is that his people have the Word of God completely, you know, that it speaks God's thoughts in their language. Je m'appelle Mamadou Sangare, je travaille ici à l'église Pain de Vie de Fourou ici. La Bible m'a changé le, le comportement parce que en lisant dans une autre langue, vraiment j'ai les difficultés de comprendre le fond, mais dans ma propre langue maintenant, Ça m'a vite changé, voilà, ça m'a vite changé, parce que je connais ça dans ma, dans ma propre langue. Voilà, ça a changé ma vie, ça m'a donné la joie aussi, parce que si moi seul je connais la Bible, ça ne me donne pas la joie, il faut que d'autres connaissent plus que, voilà. My name is Laura Requat. my occupation is very hard to describe. But for the most part, I'm a missionary who teaches children. <laughs> so the kids come every day. We learn Bible verses. We have Bible stories. We try to make the lessons interesting. We do handcrafts. We do drawing. We do drawing. We play with clay figures. Uh, I think it's a crime to bore kids with the Word of God. When kids naturally want to learn, let's give them a chance. <laughs> Nimi <laughs> I'm thinking that if God's word is in their minds and stuck in their hearts, God's spirit can use it to work in them. What I say, they're going to forget. What God says is stuck in their heads and God can use it for the rest of their lives. So my job is not just teaching the original kids who come for Bible class. My job is training the teachers who are going to keep training kids, who are going to keep training kids, who are going to keep training kids. For me, one of the huge rewards 
is thinking about being in eternity with these guys. You know, being in eternity with some of these kids that I got to tell about Jesus, or even greater. I would love to get to heaven and have some kid come up and say, Oh, you trained Dowda. Who trained me? Yes. <laughs> That's what I want. How would you imagine your life without the Word of God? How would you grow without the Word of God? How would you come to know who God is? And if that's in a language that you have to, as maybe a second language like the Bambara, it's not their heart's language. It's always going to be something out there. It's when God's Word gets in you and starts working within you and transforming you and changing you, that's when it has an impact. And that's what we want to see happen. And that's where the Word of God is so crucial to the life of the church. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll learn more about that in just a few minutes. Uh, you may wonder why I'm up here. Uh, I'm going to introduce our missionaries, but I should probably introduce, reintroduce myself. Uh, Chuck Warren, uh, and uh, mostly with the Kearney campus. And uh, I would like to introduce you to my friends, longtime friends, and their veteran missionaries. They've been in West Africa for, correct me if I'm wrong, but 31 years, and uh, we've been supporting them. Our missionaries are Tom and Laura Requat, and they will minister to us this morning. Thank you. You've probably noticed in the video that people were using Bibles. Those are in Bambara, which is the trade language. So I work mostly with the kids in Bambara and French, and he works in Shempire. So um, some of those kids that you saw in that video, like the boy laying in the hammock, swinging, reading God's word, that boy is one of the ones I trained to be teacher. And he's a great teacher, actually. That's Zane. So um, one of the boys that memorized a lot of verses, I have the kids memorize verses. You might have caught that little bit about getting cookies. Okay? So when you do John 3, 16, 17, and 18, you get a cookie. Well, one of the boys in a uh, year's time, Earned 2,000, learned 2,400 verses. He earned a lot of prizes, but God's working on him. And on a personal level, I want to let you guys know that I just had my second cataract surgery five days ago. You are the first actual congregation where I could see faces. <laughs> so your prayers are huge um, for God's blessings. That child, the children who come, they don't come just to come. They come because of your prayers. They're learning God's word. They're hiding God's word in their heart, and that will transform them. She says she does it in Bambara. I work in a different language, a local language. It's a sinful language. It's called Shempide. And the great joy that I have to let you know, to relate to you this morning, I just, I just get ecstatic about it because it's taken us 18 years, but the New Testament has been translated. Yes. God's word is in Shepherd. They can read in their own language, their heart's language, what Jesus has done for them, what the resurrection means, what Christmas is all about. They can read it directly from God's word. The thing we need you to pray for is it's not printed yet. Okay, it's translated, but there's some more things that have to happen before it gets printed. We have to get the glossary done, the book introductions done, uh, adding uh, cross references to the section headings. So, Praise God. They have it. It's just about there. Pray that by the end of this year, everything will be done and ready, and it will be printed. So thank you. What, you wonder what you do when you pray for the missionaries? What you saw, that's what happens. 
That's why you pray, and that's why you are partners. We don't do this by ourselves. We need you, okay? Because of your prayers and your support, Christian today now have the Bible. Not completely, but the New Testament in their language. Thank you. I'm uh, Kim Denny. Uh, I'm a resident of Saddlebrook Ranch for about a year and a half now with my husband Dan and our puppy Coco. After the birth of our second daughter, I was getting two hours of actual sleep a night because when I came back uh, to bed after diapering and feeding Christy, I was so keyed up that I couldn't fall back asleep quickly. It, re it really boils down to two things, sleep deprivation and being remarkably overworked. Uh, so Dan went off to work every day, came home, paid the bills, balanced a checkbook once a month, and played with the girls. I did absolutely everything else. I had no other support. I was literally the only full-time homemaker and mom on my entire street. My mother was working a full-time job, so I wasn't able to have her help through the crushing workload. And though I told my girlfriends and my Bible study ladies that I was going under for the third time, no one offered to help, and I certainly wasn't going to ask. Spiritually, I begged God for years for relief, and none came. Therefore, I concluded that God must be perfectly pleased for me to be overworked, clinically depressed, and suicidal, or else he would change my situation. And so during this time, I went to see one of our associate pastors, who happened to be a man, uh, for help. At that time, my church did not have a women's minister. So I spilled my guts to him, and I said, I don't know if I can go on another single day. And his response was, well, you kind of have to. Not so helpful, I would say. I was merely clinically depressed but undiagnosed for two years after our second daughter's birth and suicidal for the next five years after that. I had even decided how I was going to commit suicide. The only thing that kept me from doing it was the knowledge that I would mess up my children for life if I did so and I wasn't willing to do that. After this seven-year period, God led me to a book that literally saved my life. The book is entitled, Happiness is an Inside Job by John Powell. And I also started seeing a mental health professional. For the first time in seven years, I felt really heard and valued. On my third visit, he asked me to bring Dan in with me for the next appointment. And so when Dan sat down, my therapist hit him straight away with the sentence, Dan, what can you be doing to help Kim? I will always be grateful for his inside and his straightforward approach. Let me add here, Dan is not an ogre. He was simply believing, behaving as uh, Ozzie Nelson, Ward Cleaver, and especially like his own father, the way men did back in the 1950s. He was lacking an understanding about depression and suicide. As the Bible says, in the same way, husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wives with understanding as you live together. Uh, treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. Dan is not an ogre. He's a good guy. He just was lacking an understanding. After I read Happiness is an Inside Job, I learned to stand up for myself and to make some personal choices. Also, our girls were older by that time and were able to help with household chores and picking up after themselves, that sort of thing. Making personal choices for my own personal and mental health gave me more control over my life and helped me to recapture my sense of personal worth. Uh, and also, about that same time, Dan read a book that completely changed his life and how he dealt with me. It's entitled, Rekindled, how to Keep the Warmth in Marriage by Pat and Jill Williams. God used this book to help Dan realize that I desperately needed help around the house. Prior to reading the book, he would help a little here and there, but God spoke to him powerfully, telling him he needed to put his whole heart into it and do much more. I remember him coming up to me one night while I was washing dishes, handing me one of my favorite home magazines and saying, why don't you go sit down and enjoy your magazine? Let me do the dishes. I think I probably kissed him about that point. At first, I was skeptical about the change that I saw in him, but after a few months, I realized that it was for real. 
And so one night, while we were lying in bed, I put my arms around him, I looked him straight in the eye, and I said, I'm falling in love with you all over again. And that encouraged him to do even more. Okay for every member of the family to have sufficient time for personal care, whether that means getting lunch every day, taking a hot shower, or a trip to the salon for a haircut. And it's okay for every member of the family to have time for recreation. Every member of the family is just as significant and important as any other member of the family. Also, it's okay to stand up for yourself and ask for what you need. No one gets everything they want, but it's okay to ask for what you need. Both fathers and young mothers need to know that even after your loved one has recovered from depression, there will probably be PTSD-type reactions when the depressed and suicidal family member experiences a recurrence of an old trigger. A trigger could be a situation or something someone says. Try to be understanding of this family member. Trust me, they don't want to be depressed and angry. I personally do still experience triggers that take me back to those dark years. Also, if you are experiencing depression or suicidal thoughts, run, do not walk to a health professional. Your family is worth it. Depression can be caused by brain chemistry or by lifestyle. Both of those can be treated. Your Heavenly Father wants you to be healthy and fully alive. I would like to recommend some books too. One is uh, called Boundaries, When to Say Yes, How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. The next one I've referred to, Happiness is an Inside Job by John Powell and third, Rekindled, How to Keep the Warmth in Marriage by Pat and Jill Williams. And then finally, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Thank you, Kim, so, so, so much. I'm <clears throat> indebted to you that you would share that testimony. Um, Dan and, and Kim, Sean and I had dinner one night and, and we were talking about life and she shared her testimony for the first time, Dan said, with us. You know, she had not brought that up to anybody and then she ended up sharing it with you guys and that takes a lot. Amen. We, we've been talking about mental health and how it affects all of us. And I started the series with a message that was titled, um, The Struggle is Real. And when you're struggling mentally, right, we want to get to that place of health and restoration. But when you're struggling mentally, it's kind of a si silent killer. <clears throat> very few people talk about it. Very few people accept it, even in the church. It's like there's a stigma that comes with, with mental what, we, what people would call illness. I, I started out the series by saying, we're not gonna call it mental illness. We're gonna call, because here's the thing, we're gonna call it, God's on a, we're on a path of mental health because the word of God leads us to a healthy life, amen? <clears throat> but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that we don't struggle. The second part was, um, it's okay to not be okay. Just don't stay there. And God gives us those tiny steps, those, those steps that make a, make a big difference in our lives. And then last week, the, the ladies knocked it out of the park. Uh, my wife spoke on, uh, on uh, soul care, and then uh, Ruth West uh, spoke on, on soul care in Kearney. And if you have not heard those messages, both of them, both from a different perspective, they're wonderful. I listened to Shauna's, uh, you know, when she preached that, that sermon, and then I listened to Ruth's uh, podcast on, on Monday or Tuesday, and it, it, just, it just built me up because the reality is all of us, all of us are going through, through things. And I mentioned to, to uh, the church, and so you're, you're on the online campus or you're here in person, I, I talked to you about how the last two years were probably the most difficult years in ministry that I've ever had with the pandemic that came on and all kinds of havoc that came with that itself and then also with 
all the political things, and, and I know that there's no political problem with this service, but second service, they really struggle with that, right? <coughs> and, and so we struggle with those, you know, no matter what you said, no matter what you did, it was never right for someone. And after a while, you start carrying that. You start carrying that in your head. And, and, and so we, we navigated through that, Sean and I and, and, and the elders and everybody involved. And, and uh, it prompted me uh, actually about uh, two months ago that I went and saw, as Kim said, I went and saw a professional counselor for the first time in my whole life. And I remember coming into ministry or coming into the church, and, and I think that was frowned upon at one time for someone to go actually talk to a professional about some things that you may be going through. But I can tell you this, it's the greatest thing that I could have ever done. Because here's the deal, as we talk about <clears throat> today's message, how, how do we find peace of, peace of mind when we think we're actually losing our mind? Anyone ever, ever kind of thought uh, or maybe even said something like, I think I'm going to lose my mind. And your trigger may be people. It's not you. It's the person sitting next to you. Or the person that is across the street or, you know, wherever they may be. How, how about finances? You ever thought you're going to lose your mind because of finances that are not there? Or that are there, and, and, and even having a lot of finances can sometimes make you do things that you're like, you know, I, that's not even characteristic of me. And you begin to lose the peace of mind that is so important. We all have circumstances that are bigger than us. But I think that the cause or the culprit of losing peace in our mind, I think the number one thing would be worry. How many of you have worried this week? Raise your hand. We got about 80% of you that are honest. <laughs> How many of you have kill, uh, children? Any, any adult children? Or, okay. I know you're worried. I know you're worried, right? We, we constantly will worry sometimes over a son or a daughter. I, I, I mentioned this in our 7 a.m. prayer. I said, have you noticed that if you have a family, they can't, it, it just, I don't know why, they just can't seem to get this. Why can't they all be doing okay at the same time? <laughs> I mean, I've got three adult children, and, you know, if I get two out of three doing okay, I'm like, woo-hoo-hoo, party at the Reese's. Just always, how about, you know, uh, sometimes we're worried about, about finances, and it, and it makes you think that you're going to lose your mind. If you've ever gone through some financial crisis, it really makes you lose sleep. There's worry about a job loss, a loved one who's dying will keep you up at night, Tr trying to have the answers. You're a high-level leader, and everyone's coming to you for answers. They all, they all need for you to make a decision. And you want to make sure that your decisions are the right decisions. And it doesn't make everybody happy, so you've got this weighing on you. It's just, it's just the tension of life. You know, students, we, 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 uh, we saw Andy West, she opened up with a, with a video welcome, and Andy just graduated from the University of Arizona. Go, Andy. Wildcats. Now she's going into her master's program at uh, Grand Canyon University. There's Andy right there. She came in just at the right time. She's going in for her, her she's starting her master's degree, and, and, and uh, I remember in this, uh, you know, when she was doing the, her, the finality of her class, classes to get her BA, uh, you know, she'd come as an intern and, and there was some pressure on her. Because when you're, you're achieving things, it, it doesn't always come easy, amen? And, and sometimes you think you're going to lose your mind because there's no peace of mind. And I, what I've come to find out is that 
I can never have peace of mind when I'm worried. In fact, peace doesn't exist where there's worry. And worry doesn't exist where there's true peace. But here's the good news. There is no worry in the presence of God. It's like that sweet spot. It's like that eye in the storm. It doesn't matter the circumstance. If you are in the presence of the Almighty God, there's peace. And, and we all want to get to that place. We all want to get to, to that place. I, I talked about how when we, when we are not walking with God, we're in this place of chaos. And we're in this place of constant difficulties. And then we come to Jesus, and Jesus, we get right with the Father because Jesus atoned for all our failures, all our mishaps, all the things that we've done wrong. And we start taking steps, and our desire is to have perfect peace. That's our desire because Jesus promises that he is the Prince of Peace. Amen? And that he will give us his peace, not like the world gives, but like God gives. And so that perfect peace is on that side of the spectrum. It's on that side of where we want to get to. And, and, and we want to be in this place where there's perfect peace. But most of us are somewhere in between this place where, where we're navigating with no peace. And we're, trying, and, and we're in this place taking steps to find some peace. Amen? Let's be honest. How many of you can stand up right now and say, I walk in perfect peace every day of my life? Stand up. Because I want to hug you. And I want to follow you every day. I, wanna, I just want to shadow you. I want to walk behind you and see exactly what you're doing. And you're going to go to the bathroom and say, you can't come in here. Right? But most of us, we're, 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 we're taking those steps. And it's amazing. It's amazing when you've had no peace in your life. When you take that first step into some peace, it's a great place to be. Amen? And, and we, we, we continue to navigate, we continue to navigate, we continue to navigate, and we want this place that the Bible talks about where we experience the perfect peace of God. And the, and the Apostle Paul, he writes to the church in Philippi. That's where we're going to go today. And Paul is writing from a, from a really, really, really nice executive suite at some resort you know, pastors, they go off and, you know, to a cabin and they go and they write, I need peace. I, need, I don't need any, anything. You know, the Apostle Paul said to the Lord, Lord, I need a good place to, to go write these letters that I'm going to write to the churches. The Lord said, okay, you're going to go to prison. So he's in this prison in his cell and he's writing this letter. And in this letter, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Or he's saying it like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. But he comes to this place in, in, in what we look at, chapter 4. Remember this. Always remember, children of God, that Paul and all the narrative, uh, all the people writing the narrative and the scriptures, they didn't write with chapter and verses. They just wrote. So he comes to this place where there's a thought that the Holy Spirit produces in him in chapter 4. And he, and he says these words. And they're very helpful to us. But I, I think that we really have to wrestle with them. I'm going to tell you why we need to wrestle with them. Because they're difficult words. And, and this, is what, this is what he says from the NLT. It says, verse, verse 6, chapter 4. Don't worry about anything. How many of you in first service have never worried about anything? And you've maybe read this scripture. Maybe some of you have never read this scripture. But that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Don't worry about anything. You know what I say back to that? What are you talking about, Willis? What, what are you talking about? Don't worry about anything. Instead... Pray about everything. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have prayed about everything this past week? Raise your hand. Have you prayed about everything? Every four of you. 
I can't even raise my hand. When I'm honest, I, I'll tell you that I would love to be here. That's the standard right there. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. This is such an important, important scripture. Thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you, I love this, live in Christ Jesus. No, I lived in Arizona. I lived in San Manuel. But really, God calls me to live in Christ. God calls me to, to have my abode in God. And to live that way, my, my mentality, my, my emotions, my physicality, that, that I really present myself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Presenting my whole body, everything that I am. But there's tension there. Amen. There's, there's tension. It's like I want to be there, but I struggle. I want to be at that place, but I, but I struggle. And, and, and God forbid, God forbid that I would tell you, do you know what? I'm struggling mentally. God forbid that I would tell you guys I'm struggling emotionally. God forbid that I would tell you I'm struggling physically. Because that shouldn't be happening to a Christian. That should, are you, are you Christian, you're a pastor. That, that shouldn't be happening to a pastor. I, I was talking to a dear friend of mine, pastor friend, that, that, that was going through a struggle. We had lunch together, and after that I said, hey, bro, I'm, I'm being real transparent with you. I went and saw a professional counselor. He said, dude, I need to see him. And he comes back to me. He says, you know what? It was the best thing I could have ever done. He, he, he took these steps and he's helped me out. And, and he said, but I feel so guilty. Here I am, a pastor, leading people in church. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my mental health. I said, why do, you feel, why do you feel guilty? You're getting better. And sometimes God will use his methods to make you better. You know, I wouldn't have any problems in my life if it wasn't for people. <laughs> Say amen if you agree. <laughs> but you wouldn't have any problems either if it wasn't for me. And so, so he, we, 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 we're in this tension right here, and, and we come to verse 8, and he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. I love that. This is important. One final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Uh, that, that just tells me how important my mind is. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. There's a promise right there. And Paul says, learn from me. You've seen my struggles. In another letter, Paul is writing, he says, we apostles, we have, we have gone through shipwrecks. We've gone through, through facing beasts. Spiritual and physical beasts. We've gone through all these things. I, I have not eaten at times. I'm tired. I'm wearisome. I've been abandoned. I've been talked about. I've been kicked to the curb. You can say that. That's my translation. I've been kicked to the curb for trying to do what is right. You ever felt that way? Missionaries, you know, as, as you guys are in the field, you guys are working and you're giving and you're giving and you're giving. And I know that you guys have never struggled with any kind of mental or emotional instability. That's the other missionaries across the street. But, but here's, what I, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe that God's word is true. And, and I believe that his promises are yes and amen. That, that those are my anchor in the difficulties that I face in, in, in my life. And, and I believe that God 
can make things better. I, I believe we can win with, with Jesus. I believe that we need to be honest. We need to be transparent. We need to sometimes be vulnerable as Kim Denny was very vulnerable. But I'm better because of her. And I really also believe that there are people that are sitting in this service and there are people that are watching online that if I was to give you an opportunity to share your story, a lot of your stories would kind of be in the same line of dif difficulty where you felt like if you're alone, even though you're not alone, you, you, you feel like if you need help and people aren't giving you the help that you need, they're not, they're not lifting you up in your times of trouble and and, and, and it just really, really can mess with your, with your head. And it can really mess with your heart. Amen? Situations can mess with your heart. Where, where you don't want to love people. Because you've been hurt by people. You know, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, and he said these very, very important words. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was hurting, guys. He had, been, he had been betrayed. Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% what? Man, he felt what we feel. And he knew, he knew him being the savior of mankind. He knew that he had to release the people to the Father. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Some of you are sitting in here and, and, and you're holding on to offenses. You're holding on to things that people have done. And it's really, I'm going to say this, it's really screwing up your mental health. It's really messing with you. It's really messing with, it has a hook in your heart. And you've got this hurt because hurting people then begin to what? Hurting people hurt other people. And God gives us, he gives us the tools that we need to be able to walk in the freedom and the health. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, learn, learn. And, and what I've come to find out about life is that I'm always learning. Life is always teaching me. It's always teaching me. I did something the other day that I've never done before. I, I went and visited a, a, someone that I love dearly. He's, he's on his deathbed, and, and, and he has a, you know, his last days of cancer, and he's there. And they asked me to go, and, and his wife says to me, he's, he's wanting to be baptized. And, and, and he, he said, but he can't get up. And I've never done this before, but I could see where, where this practice might have started, right? And so I said, well, wait, I can't put him in the bath. I, I'm trying to think, what, what am I going to do? He wants to be baptized. I said, you want to be baptized? He said, yeah, I want to be baptized. So we sat him up, and, and I said, Come, just bring me some water. Just bring me water, anything. Bring me water. She brought me water, and so I went, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, I was like a fountain, just water, water. I've always been taught, you know, immersion. It's by immersion. It is by immersion. But if you can't have someone stand up for immersion, guess what you do? The next best thing. And here, here you're in your, I'm in my head, you know, thinking all these things. Lord, is this, Lord you know, you, I can't take them, Lord, Lord, you know. So we're all dealing with things. Amen. That's just one thing that happened this, this week. There were so many other things. Let's talk about these two takeaways, okay? Finding peace of mind when we think we are going to lose it. It starts with this. It starts with talking to God about everything. When Paul says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything, that's so important. But let me tell you something. That is not easy for us to do. It's not easy. If it was easy, Paul wouldn't have to remind people. If it was easy to do, there'd be a lot more people walking in this perfect peace that God offers. Paul says, don't worry about anything. But most of us would say there is so much to worry about. To, to, to say, I'm not going to worry is a lot easier said 
than done. And I don't want to be a preacher that tells you and tells you and tells you and tells you and tells you. And, and, and I'm not doing it myself. I want to be very honest with you. Because I think a lot of people can leave a church building thinking, I, 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 I don't have any hope because I'm supposed to be doing this, 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 and I'm not doing it. And can, let me say this, that probably 99% of the preachers are not doing it either. They've got just as much worry. They've got just as much tension. Problems in my life are not easy. The problems that I'm facing, they're not easy. Some people in my lives, some, some people that are in my life, they're not easy. They're hard. Not you guys, but the Kearney service. Except for, except for those two that are sitting right there. They're wonderful. And have you noticed, beloved, that, that some people are harder than others? Have you noticed that? Let's just be real. Of course, not, not the one that is sitting next to you. Not them. But you know who it is. But why do we worry? Because we care. I, I, I worry about my, my adult children because I really care about them. I, I, I worry about my, my, my grandchildren because I really do care about them. I, I, I would hate for something to happen to my, my grandchildren. I, I, I sometimes can worry about my, my spouse. I sometimes can, she can worry about me. Why? Because we, we, we care about each other. And, and, and these things, think with me, these things that, that, that we care about and, and living in this life, they condition us, they condition us to, to, to live in this life of, of tension and worry. I want you to know that you're not alone. And you would think that technology would change this because there's been so many advances in technology. You would think that there would be a worry app, right? So they probably do have a worry app. Don't worry, right? Put, put this app on and put the music on and everything's good. And then you t turn off the app and everything's still in front of you, right? But Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is this, uh, this incredible... Uh, incredible doctor, uh, neuros neuroscientist that is, uh, that is a Christian, is a follower of Christ, and, and, and she's done great extensive work. She's got this book called uh, uh, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And, and she wrote this in the book. She said this, uh, I've observed an alarming noticeable increase in mental distress among millennials especially as they enter their workforce and try to make their way in life. In the clinical trial, we observed that the millennials in the study appeared to fare worse when it came to dealing with stress compared to other generations. And, and they did this, 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 this trial, this, this, uh, uh, this observance, and it was all kinds of different ages. And the millennials, the younger generation, did worse. They could not cope with stress. So as technology, instead of things getting better, it seems like things are getting worse. There's instant bad news now. Instant. There, there, there's instant, you're trying to get uh, gratification. You, you want people to like your, your things that you put you know, on, on, on social media. And if you don't get likes, especially young people, they don't get likes. It really does something to their, to their heart and to their minds. Let's just think this way. The cost of living. Has the cost of living gone up a little bit? And so you've got this, and, and young people are coming out of university. They're coming out of college. They're, they're graduates, and they've got to buy a house. And some of them have student loans, and they've got all of this debt on top of trying to buy a house. And they're going to buy a house at, what, 350 You know, my son's, you know, I'm going to buy a house, 400000 I'm like, 400000 I can't even think. You know, for you guys, it would be like, that's nothing. For me, it's like heart attack. 
And these young people are going through all these things, and there's just so many things that they're struggling with. And so you look at this scripture, and, and, and you begin to, to process the realities of life and how needed this scripture is to everybody. Amen? How needed these words are to everybody in our sphere. Because here's what I know for sure. That most people, instead of talking to God about everything, most people are doing two things. Most people are talking to themselves with negative self-talk. You ever had negative self-talk? You, you dummy, you shouldn't have done this. You're not going to amount to anything. How do I know that? I just talked to someone recently and they were just beating themselves up. And I said, why are you doing that? There's an enemy that wants to beat you up. Why are you going to do that yourself? And so this negative self-talk. And then, and then there's also, you can have, uh, uh, you can condition yourself to talk to others. And it's, it, it can become negative. And if it doesn't do any good, or you're talking to others, but it's, it's not bringing any peace, then you're talking to the wrong people. And that's why Paul says you should be communicating to God constantly. And when you communicate to God, especially when you begin to go into his word, he'll talk back to you. And the Holy Spirit will actually also begin to talk to us. You begin to hear the voice of Christ. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my, my voice. And so we need to hear God. And what I've come to find out about my life is that worry that is not dealt with, and I'm talking about in my life. There's a temptation when we're worried about things that you can begin to blame God. You can begin to, to, to say, God, why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this happen? Well, I, I've served you for all these years. I've, I've been on the field for all these years. Why are my adult children making these choices? Why, why, why is this happening? Why do people, why do people love you and then they hate you? And, and, and I, I know this from Jesus who was perfect. Jesus was perfect and people loved him when he was feeding them fish and bread. And after that, people would say, crucify him. Crucify him. You ever felt that way? And Jesus himself teaches me. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I know that you guys have never struggled with this, but your pastor, there has been times that I've been on my knees. I've been sitting talking to the Lord. Ooh, I said, don't do that. That's the noise that I got whenever I did it too the, the first time without a microphone. <sighs> okay, Lord. But you get to that place and you say, Father, why? Now, the remedies in Scripture talk to God about everything, right? Pray about everything and be thankful. That's the remedy. There's always peace in a thankful heart. No matter what we're going through, there's always peace in a thankful heart. But that's a choice. Amen? That's a choice that we have to make. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. And when we thank him, beloved, when we thank God in all things, it is always a pathway to his peace. But I know what your flesh is saying. I know what your flesh is saying. How can I be thankful for my, for my spouse's diagnosis? How, how, how can I be thankful for my son that's, uh, that's, that's on drugs? How, how can I be thankful, Lord, when, when I can't even make ends meet? 
How, how can I be thankful with, with these people that they, they, don't, they don't dislike me, Lord. They hate me. They, they, they spread all kinds of things about me. How, how can I be thankful about that? How can I be thankful with a world that is, that is going crazy? We're thankful to God that he's in control. We're thankful to God that he has our back. We're thankful to Jesus that he will sustain us no matter what the storm that we face. And in fact, Jesus will even enable us to walk on water at times if we trust him. Are you with me? I'm talking spiritually here, beloved. There are times that we have to, we have to get out of the boat. There are times that we have to, we have to take those steps. He, he's, verse 7, then you experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand. This is so important because there are times in my life that, that, that there's chaos. There's times in my life that there's situations, there's family things, that, that there's this peace that doesn't make sense. And God's peace does not make sense because it transcends our understanding. Maybe that's why we face the things that we face, so that we can be very appreciative of God and his peace. This is not heaven. This is not the final destination that we will face, that we will be in. There's a place that we're going that there's going to be complete peace. Complete peace. And this, in this part of the journey, we navigate with attention. We navigate with attention and we, we, we embrace the peace that surpasses all understanding in the chaos. How do you find peace of mind when you think you're losing your way? By talking to the Father. By thanking him despite the problems that we have. Here, here's the second takeaway that's so important. Finding peace of mind when we think we're losing it is achievable. It's achievable one thought at a time. Say amen if you believe that. Just one thought at a time. Do you remember when I said that if we can take one step toward peace and we find a little bit more peace today than we had yesterday, we're winning? How many of you remember me saying that? Okay, let's just think about it with this scripture, okay? What if, what if today, what if today you could really begin to, to uh, manage your thoughts? What if today you could have one, one thought that is different from yesterday, one better thought than yesterday? Would that be a win? I, 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 we were having our real men Bible study, and I, and I opened up with this. I, they said, uh, I, I said, I, I want you guys to tell me one bad thought that you've had today. I want you to tell me. And they all went like. <laughs> I said, you tell me one, I'll tell you five of mine. We all have them, right? This, this is what the word says. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And, and, and this is good for us right now because we're just about to, to close up this message. One final thing, one thing that you can take away with you, he says. Fix your thoughts on what is true. If you have broken thoughts, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Those are, those are pretty powerful words right there. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Our thoughts matter. Every thought that we have matters. And if you can grab a hold of one thought that is a lie and align it with God's truth, you will begin to win the battle in your mind. 
If you have the thought, I am not worthy, I'm not worthy, you know, the word of God says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. You're very worthy to God. The word of God says he so loved you that he gave the most precious gift. He gave his son so that you will not perish, but so that you would have everlasting life. Life, not death, not difficulty, life, everlasting life. That's how much God loves you. That's, that's truth. If you have a thought that says, just quit. Have anyone ever had a thought, I just want to quit? God speaks to me and he says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you know, the, 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 the context right there is just telling us that whether you have a lot or you have a little, I can be content in whatever God gives me. Amen. I can win in this life. And that's a, that's a mental game that people have. There's, it, it, it's mental. Again, uh, um, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf helps us here. She says this in, in, in her book. She says, depression and anxiety are highly correlated with burnout. Let me pause real quick because let me just, I'm going to be very transparent. So I went and I saw this professional counselor, wonderful man, wonderful man of God. Sat, I sat with him and, and as I began to share what was going on, he says, you're in burnout. TJ, you're in burnout. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, everything that you're telling me is burnout. The things that you're struggling with, you're in burnout. And th th there may be someone here, if you've ever led, in, in, uh, like as a high executive, if you've ever led high level, or you're leading a family, and you're giving, 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 you're a missionary, and you're giving, and you're giving, and you're giving, and you're giving. Depression and anxiety are highly correlated with burnout. So we'd expect to see a reduction in anxiety leading to burnout if depression and anxiety is what? Is managed, okay? True transformation requires mind manage management strategies to rewire neural pathways. In other words, there's something that actual, actually happened in the physical brain. Not only your mind, which is uh, the immaterial uh, thinking that we have, but actually the physical brain, there's something that happens when we begin to manage our thoughts. Directing the way your brain, your neuroplasticity, and that's where your brain actually, your brain begins to be molded and, and changed and transformed. Your physical brain can be transformed. The way you're thinking when, when, you're, when your neurotransmitters are going and they're hitting, and they're all these different, you, you have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of thoughts and they're all triggering these electronic responses and your neurotransmitters they're, they're all your, your brain's being formed and there's all kinds of things that are happening right now even right now your mind as you're thinking about the things that i'm saying or, or, or some of you you know you're you're just resting in the presence of god god is doing something and your brain is actually forming into a good way that's why walking with god is the greatest thing you could ever do she says directing the way your your brain Neuroplasticity transforms energy patterns in the brain. It changes blood measures and eventually establishes a new healthy level of balance in the brain, which then is a balance in your body because if you have a healthy mind, you're going to have a healthy body. Amen? Stress does something to your physical heart. Stress does something to your physical brain. Stress and anxiety and fear and all these things does something physically Worry produces all kinds of negative physical effects as well as neurological effects. But you can win the battle in your mind. Please hear this. You can win the battle in your mind, but it starts one thought at a time. If I can have one more pure thought today than I had yesterday, I'm winning. If I, could, if I could push off an anxious thought, if I can push it away with my, with my ability to manage my thoughts, one, 
one today that I didn't have yesterday, I'm winning. You see, I might not be able to control what comes into my mind, but I am certainly able to control what stays in my mind. The enemy throws fiery darts. He throws all kinds of things at us. And I, I can't control what's he throwing at me, what the world's throwing at me, what my flesh wants to think about. I can't control that. But here's what I can control. I can, I can manage what stays there and what has to leave. And you know how I do it? Through the power of Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. He is our counselor. And so here's how I'm going to close. As we close out this, this series. Paul said, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. That's, that's such an important scripture. In other words, Paul, Paul was giving them a model he was teaching them how to live their life. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. That's why I tell you, sometimes we need to learn and get help from others. A trustworthy counselor or therapist is, is not a bad thing, beloved. Kim, I love what you said. Don't, don't walk, run. Why do we want to stay in the places where we're, where we're ailing? If you have a broken arm, what do you do? You go to a doctor and they mend it. Amen? If you have, if you have high blood pressure, what do you do? You take some high blood pressure what? Medication. Whatever we deal with physically, we, we, we get help for. If you have some problems mentally, and it's been year after year after year, go see a trusted therapist or a trusted counselor. When I went this last time, I saw him four times. I'm being very transparent with you. I'm this is going to be seen on, online. I saw him the fourth time that I went to see him. He said, you look different. You look different. I said, I got my bearings. And I said, thank you for helping me get my bearings. And you know what he said? This is, this is the one takeaway for me. This is the one thing that he said. And I, I know this. He told me, you're not the answer. You're not the answer to your family's problems. You're not the answer to your church's problems. You're not the answer. You're not the answer. And it was like, kind of like, don't talk to me. I'm not the answer. I can be here to encourage people. I can be here to pray for people. I can be here to uphold people, but I'm not the answer. Do you know who the answer is? Jesus Christ. How about a support group? You know, you're struggling. You struggle with loneliness. Form a support group here at Living Word Chapel where you can just sit down and talk and encourage and, and strengthen and pray for each other. Why, why, why go at it alone? As we close this series, why are we going to go at it alone? And then if you have a, if you have if you struggle with drugs if you struggle with because see that's that's self medication you know that and it's it, it, it's something that believe me it's very tempting when you're going through the most difficult of difficulties and you mentally and emotionally you want any kind of relief you can have but if you get to a place where those drugs become your god if you get to the place where alcohol becomes your, the way that you fix your problems, where you medicate yourself with that, you may need a rehab. I, I said this to, to someone that I dearly love. I said, I, said, I said this. I said, I would rather be embarrassed for doing the right thing than be embarrassed for doing the wrong thing. Let me tell you what I meant by that. I would rather be embarrassed because sometimes people say, you know, I can't believe you're going to rehab. Or they might say, oh, they don't say that. They'll never say, I can't believe you're going to rehab. They tell everybody else, you know, he's in a rehab. You know that he's going to Alcoholics Anonymous. You know he's going to Narcotics Anonymous. You know, they, they might say that. I would rather be embarrassed for doing the right thing, for getting my life right, than for me to be embarrassed because they got me pulled over on the side of the road because I drove and I was intoxicated. Are you with me? I'm speaking to someone right now. I'm speaking to someone that's hearing me right now that the Lord's giving you a warning. 
that if you don't make a change in your life, what's coming in the future is going to be a lot more embarrassing than you saying, I need help. And you checking yourself into a rehab or you going to AA or you going to NA. People that are near and dear to my heart, like Pete Reese, my cousin in Las Vegas, who is 27, 28 years sober. He made a mess of his life before that. He made a mess of his life because drugs will destroy your life. But 28 years, now he's pouring into people's lives. People like Daniel Rodriguez, who sits right there, who just made a big change in his life, and God has used him mightily to pour into people's lives because they made a change. And they said, I don't care if I'm embarrassed to go to a rehab, or I'm not, I don't care if I'm embarrassed to go into a place that's going to help me. I'm not embarrassed about that because I know I need help. And now, 20 plus years later, people look at them and they say, that's remarkable where you're at. Do not let anything stop you from getting your mind and your emotions to a place that are healthy. I'm going to close with this. I've been saying that for 15 minutes. I'm going to close with this. I don't care if I have to go to have a support group to get my mind right for the rest of my life. I will do it for my family. I will do it for the ones that I care about. I'm speaking again to someone. It doesn't matter. Take those steps to get your life and your mind and your heart right for the glory of God. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. Thank you, Lord, that you care about the whole man and woman. Our body, our mind, and our spirit. I pray, Lord God, that this series has brought glory to you. I pray that it has helped someone, Lord, to find healing in Jesus Christ. 